If you're over 40 and want to be the best version of yourself, Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence is here to help. Clarence Ferguson is a seasoned loan officer, fitness expert, personal chef, and entrepreneur who leads a revolution of men and women who want to live their best life going into middle age. Inspiring dialogue, challenging topics, and industry leaders are here offering tips and how-tos to improve your life. Now, here's Coach Clarence. All right, welcome to Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence. And today I have some wonderful guests from the Phoenix Zoo, Jessica Hintz. And Corey Barr, and we are going to talk about an event we have coming up on the 25th of September. We are Bowling for Rhinos. And I want these ladies to look, give us a little bit of background about themselves first, because when you work in the zoo, it takes a special type of person. So let's start with Jessica. Jessica, how did you get in the zoo? And How did I start my career? Um, yeah. I started, I'm actually from Minnesota, started off doing an internship working with dolphins back in the day, did marine uh-huh. mammals for a few years fell into a humane society, and then somehow up and moved to Phoenix. And ever since I did, just did 10 years, um, basically 10 years being a primate keeper, and just fell into a very new position. I am manager of guest services and guest experiences at the zoo. Because people listen to the show, they don't know a lot of keywords. I know what primate means. Define what a primate is. Monkeys and apes and lemurs and such. Oh, people I hang out with. Okay, yeah. great. great. Okay, Non-human. Non-hu- Non-human well, exactly. primates. Let's yeah, not talk exactly. about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, what's going on? Um, same kind of story. thing. I started working at the zoo um, almost 14 years ago, and I started in the education side of things. So I did um, guest interactions, uh, creature feature talks about different animals. Um, and then at the same time, I kind of worked my way in as a volunteer with the hoofstock animals. So hoofstock is like your oryx, giraffe, rhino, zebra. Um, and after doing that for several years, I got hired in as an elephant keeper. And that was about nine and a half years ago. So now I'm actually one of the senior elephant keepers um, working with Asian elephants there. Okay. You know, one of the questions, I always get questions when I tell people what we're going to be talking about in the next week. People want to know how many animals you personally have at home. How many animals do you have, Jessica? Oh, I am a normal human being. I I have two little dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? (laughs) I have a little Chihuahua mix, and then I have an American Eskimo, and they're old and blind. And is that legal to still own an American Eskimo? Yeah, they're. I thought slavery was domestic. What is wrong with you? You said American Eskimo. You didn't say dog. I just thought that is a dog. Just in case you didn't say that. I just didn't know. Like, is he have? They also are called Spitz. Um, I didn't know yeah, that. American Spitzes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel targeted right now. She has 4,000. I'll be animals. honest. I'll be honest. I have uh, four dogs. All four are rescue dogs. Um, my youngest is eight. My oldest is 14 and a half. Um, I have one fish. I have How three, many tortoises? I have three tortoises. Jesus. And I have seven chickens. Chicken. <laughs> what are you doing with the chickens? You know what? They're wonderful and they lay eggs. So They're I get three too. fresh eggs exactly every day. <laughs> and like four of them love to cuddle with me. So they'll run up and let me hug them and they'll sit on my lap. Do you so, want to tell him their names really quick? Um, Do you know the chickens all have names? Yeah, they're all named after historically epic women. So <laughs> I have... Um, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, it. I've got great ones. Um, I've got Rosa Parks. I've got Sandra Day O'Connor. I've got uh, Princess Diana. I've got... Uh, oh. Yeah, I've got Kamala Harris. I've got Ruth 
RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I call her Ruthie. So I keep having to go back into their formal names and not my nicknames for them. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt. We've had a few pass away, like Amelia Earhart, um, Frida Kahlo. Mm -hmm. She was my girl. Jean Goodall. Those were the ones that have passed recently. Now, do you but. Uh, eat the eggs that they lay? Do you yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll eat them. I'll bake with them. I give them to my dog sometimes. So, yeah. And they'll actually eat their own eggs. If you just, like, throw them on the ground and crack them, the chickens will actually eat them back that's up. Let's disturbing. not talk it's about weird, it. Right? That's, that's it's weird, right? It's weird. It's yeah. weird. That's They're cannibalism at its finest. A little bit. It, that's know, it's, very disturbing. It's as close as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right, so we're here to talk about bowling for rhinos. So let's start with that. Um, let's talk, why rhinos? That's a great question. A lot of people ask it all the time. So when AZAC, which is the American Association of Zookeepers, the national um, group, actually made a nonprofit, and the whole reason that they started it was to emphasize uh, professional development opportunities for keepers so that they can give better care for animals, as well as uh, a lot of times when you are a part of institutions like zoos and aquariums, you might not be able to have as much of a hands-on approach of your conservation. And so it allowed a means for keepers to be able to do direct conservation so we can fundraise and give funds to various um, conservation initiatives around the world. And so they actually developed Bowling for Rhinos in 1990. Bowling for Rhinos is an organized, it's basically an event that different chapters for different zoos and AZ, AZAC chapters around the country are able to do. And they do these fundraisers and all of them. Proceeds. 100% of the proceeds goes towards rhino habitat conservation. And the reason they picked rhinos is because they're an incredibly charismatic species. People love to fundraise for a big, awesome, amazing animal. And then if you're fundraising and giving funds for people to conserve their habitat, you're protecting everything from the, you know, the lizard to the birds that share that habitat to the people and the communities around as well. And so it's a means to an umbrella for you to be able to conserve natural habitat. Yeah, I think one of their taglines is actually from orchids to elephants, um, because it's not just the rhinos in that habitat that benefit from the conservation efforts. It's everything that lives there with them. Um, they also have, you know, quite a uh, meaningful plight because of of poaching so it's something that strikes at the heart of everybody so not only is it a really charismatic animal but it's also an animal that is um, poached horrifically often um, to the point where their numbers are, are highly threatened is that still it. going on or has that I mean I've seen a lot of awareness about that has that drop down or is it still the number still high still happens um when you have people in communities that are poor Who's and you have people there are homes. lots of people and individuals in countries yeah there's they're banned it's illegal but if you look at it from the people who live in those communities and if they look at that one horn for that ivory whatever it may be they look at that, that's able to feed their families for the next 10 years. And so what you need to do is you need to support organizations and um, different conservation initiatives that specifically the funds go to, and they get that community on board of education of why it's important to conserve the species. You hire them to be wildlife rangers so that they can protect the land, but then they're getting paid so that they can feed their families so that they don't want to poach. They have been able to incorporate to actually hire previous poachers, people who did poach because they know what they're looking for. They knew how to sneak into these national parks. They knew how to do it. You hire them to protect the animals so instead, you more and, give them and you pay them more, the give them yeah. the same, and then they get to value it, and then they get to pass that on to their families. 
And, you know, it's, it's something, too, to, to comment on. We have both been to different parts of Africa, and it's really easy here in um, a country that has technology and education at your fingertips to ask, like, why and how is this happening? But when you go there, there are no resources that these people are getting to educate them on, on what the, the cause of their actions is impacting as far as the rhino population. So what Jessica said about, um, you know, instituting some sort of education practices, it's not just about hiring rangers and setting up guard duty around the rhinos to protect them. It's about educating the people there um, to not continue to do the acts, which is a lot harder than people think it is because they don't have access to the information and technology that we are so like normally used to having access to. All right. You guys use an acronym, um, American Zookeepers. Tell me about that. And how did, does Phoenix Zoo get involved with that? So um, the acronym AZAC, A-A-Z-K, is the American Association of Zookeepers. It's actually a separate organization um, from our zoo and from any zoo. But what you have is a a group of people within the zoos who form a chapter of AZAC. So while we are affiliated with the Phoenix Zoo in the sense that we usually all work there, we do actually have a good handful of members now who don't work at the zoo. Um, You basically just have to be somebody who's passionate about professional animal care. Uh, But so it is separate from the zoo. However, most AZAC chapters are affiliated with one specific institution. Um, That way we can have some sort of reciprocal relationship with them when we include things like animal paintings and behind the scenes tours in our fundraising efforts. Those things are typically donated by the institution. So the Phoenix Zoo, for example, usually gives us all of these awesome things to include in our fundraising efforts as well as donates to the cause. And we all work for the zoo. However, AZAC is separate from the zoo. Okay, excellent. Um, So when people put together their bowling teams, they're going to know where does our money go? What does the money go to? So this is um, one of the only events that AZAC puts on where 100% of proceeds go to rhino conservation. Rhino conservation is actually um, rhino conservation in both Africa and Asia because there are multiple different species of rhino. So the big ticket items or the big ticket names that people usually know are the Leoa Conservation Center um, or Leoa Wildlife Conservation in Kenya. That's the biggest one. Um, that also shares land with Action for Cheetahs. So again, back to that tagline from orchids to elephants when all the money that goes to Leoa goes there. It's not just to the rhinos, it's to everything there. Um, there are some places in the Asian side of things, uh, like Uyang Kulan National Park in Java, Indonesia, um, a few places in Sumatra, and um, yeah, there's one other one that I can't remember. Um, Indonesia, Phuket is where the other one is. So those are the um, Asian species of rhino that will gain the funds from what we raise. What is the difference between an Asian and African rhino? Well, their range, first of all, and where they live, but um, they're different species entirely. Are they singers? So. What do you mean when you say range? You have uh, two species of African rhino, your northern white rhinos and your southern white rhinos, right? Um, and those guys also, you know, obviously live in Africa. Um, but then on the Asian side of things, you have things like your Sumatran rhino, your Indonesian one horn rhino, um, and they're just completely different types of rhino. So different if you species. have more than one horn, are you like the man? Um, it's probably a mutation. It's, I mean, you probably need to get that thing checked. <laughs> the, the African rhinos will both have like the two sets of horns, but there's, you know, an Indian one-horned rhino only has the one. So Is he a unicorn? I mean, they're all chubby unicorns as far as we're, chubby. As we're convinced. Because chubby unicorns. Because people unicorns, I'm like, there's yeah. unicorns in Africa yeah. already. They're, chubby they're unicorns. Rhinos. Everyone yeah. calls mm-hmm. them, you know, save the chubby uniforms. A lot of people who have made bowling teams in the past have like made shirts that say that. Mm-hmm. Chubby save the chubby, chubby unicorns. Chubby unicorns. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I love it. 
All right, so um, what type of food do rhinos eat? They eat various different vegetation. Um, they are herbivores, so they'll eat a lot of grasses and stuff. And then also, just side note, to speak to the conservation initiatives that Corey was talking about, like Lewa, which is one of the organizations that uh, we actually are able to help get those funds to. I was fortunate to be able to go there back in 2015. 16, I think it was, and actually saw them in action. And um, specifically, like at Lewa, if we're talking about food, we were at the end of a dry season right before the first rains came, and they were struggling. Animals were struggling. It was dry. You know, people struggle, animals struggle. It's all the same. And so, what they were doing is they were seeking resources to get lots of huge bales of hay actually dropped from helicopters to be able to feed, feed the wildlife to keep them alive through the dry season. So, you know, we're able to do that at the zoo where we feed hay and we feed vegetables and different things like that. But in the wild, um, they are able to do conservation initiatives, are able to drop hay and do stuff like that to supplement species so that they make, can make it through dry seasons. Gotcha. So really quick, what is both of you two background? Like, how do you get into working at the zoo? Is it a, like a degree? Do you have to have some, some kind of certification? Or how do you start at the zoo? So um, usually most people have some sort of biology-related degree, um, conservation biology, wildlife biology, um, zoology, whatever have you. Um, but a lot of being a zookeeper is actually on-the-job training. Um, they do have nowadays, this was actually after my time, so I didn't get to go to one of these, but they have actual zookeeping colleges now where you go and you work. Your program is through a zoo. Um, the one that comes to mind is, is called Moore Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Friends University, um, which our president and CEO of the zoo actually went to, I believe. Um, but uh, a lot of the places over on our, on our side of the country um, are much much newer, but they're actual zookeeping colleges that work through a zoo and you you learn as you go. Um, as for me, on-the-job training is really where you know I found a lot of benefit. Um, it's really hard to sit in a classroom and be taught how to take care of elephants. That's just not something that right. uh, you know is easy to do until you're there. So a lot of the places and a lot of the positions at the zoo, you might have you know to wait several years before you're considered fully trained. Um, there's different levels of keepers as well. You know, you have your entry level keepers who are usually the ones that don't have that kind of experience or maybe have done an internship or volunteer work. And then you um, have your more experienced keepers, your keeper two levels, your senior keepers. Um, each zoo probably has different titles that equivalent to the same kind of different levels of keepers. Yeah, and my background is biology. I have a biology degree. I did an internship. I did almost a couple years of free um, labor, basically doing internships at different zoos and aquariums and different things like that. And then I got my master's while I was at the Phoenix Zoo. And uh, yeah, it, it really just depends. It's a lot of donating your time, getting your foot in the door and busting your butt and just showing people that you're hardworking, that you're going to show up and that you're going to be amazing and learning on the job. It's, it's an interesting field to get into because you work really hard to get there. It's insanely competitive. People don't really understand how competitive it is to be a zookeeper. Um, and then you get there and and the work has just started, right? You know. There's a lot of heavy labor. There's a lot of mental exhaustion. Um, compassion fatigue is a very real thing that zookeepers struggle with. Um, and then on top of that, you know, uh, we're not known to make a lot of money. So, um, like teachers. Yeah. Uh, you really you really have to love what you do. You really have to love what you do. And, right. and zookeepers are a very odd but passionate group of people. All right. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with Jessica Corey from the Phoenix Zoo.
All right, we are back with uh, Corey and Jessica from the Phoenix Zoo. And we're talking about Bowling for Rhinos because that's an event coming up on September 25th. And we're going to put a team together in my group, and the zoo is going to have a team. What should people know if they're putting a team together? So basically, go to the Eventbrite website and just search Bowling for Rhinos Phoenix. It'll pop up, and then it has all the links for the information. So the date is September 25th, and it is a Saturday. It is from about 6 to 9. Bowling will be from about 6.30 to 8.30. It's two hours of bowling, and um, in, in that, it includes the two hours of bowling. It includes shoe rental. You get some free raffle tickets because we have an awesome raffle there. We have a silent auction. We have 50 50 raffle you like to gamble but you want the you know half the proceeds to go to a good cause come on down and it's awesome it's at the bolero in mesa and it has super new renovated just prior to covid it has an awesome bar it has a huge arcade tons of different stuff and then go to the eventbrite page and it has links to everything that we have and we are also selling t-shirts we do a logo every single year we have a designer that works with us does a logo we're having these awesome yellow bfr shirts and 100 percent of those proceeds come back as well awesome so what is the name of the zeus team Well, we all have different ones. There's like tons of different ones. There's like primate team specific ones. Yep. There's a ton of different ones. Uh, We'll have guest services. We'll have different departments bring their own groups, their own people, their own family. And then we have a lot of outsiders that are not zoo affiliated. Come on down. Our volunteer base too. Yep. Our volunteers. A very strong volunteer base at the zoo and they always show up. Tell people something about rhinos that they don't know besides the horn like what is something rhinos do that no one knows that you guys know it's working with them over the years you know fun fact besides I had, take huge poops which I i'm glad i'm not cleaning a up, rhino i'm dealing with a three-month-old his poops are something but it's that different rhino poop is rhino's like the size of the rhino poo is like the size of you um <laughs> exactly. i had a keeper friend laura who was a rhino keeper and she would say that their earwax when you would clean it out smelled like grape juice oh i'm just saying she said it and then i would be like you need to get some and then she'd get some and then she'd like make me smell it and it has like a sweet smell to it earwax rhino earwax who doesn't No, Who doesn't? I have not. No, I have not eaten I it. What I'm is wrong? Saying, no, I well, will you say said like, it smelled like grape juice. I thought maybe you were like, hey, one night late after work, you guys are like, let's get some rhino like earwax. On, on some bread, like yeah. a spread? <laughs> yeah, or put some what? vodka in it or something. I don't know. Go to, straight to the vodka. You know, <laughs> weirdly time. related, but to the weird fruit smells, I think all the time that the elephant's urine smells like apple juice to the oh. point where like I can't drink apple juice anymore. That's something I can never say publicly. You're welcome. I appreciate you doing that first. <laughs> There's all kinds of questions you know, that follow. How do you know what the old friends? You know, there's some sweet earwax. things out there. Yeah. You just gotta I guess. educate Listen, people. I've seen an elephant's business and the whole thing of just smelling elephants. You're, <laughs> <laughs> I guess working in the zoo, I guess you just you have to find things to you do. You gain a lot of very weird knowledge. Very yeah, weird, yeah. very weird Obscure, knowledge. non-Jeopardy yeah. knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely so correct. a friend of mine told me... Um, that when you work around animals, you kind of develop certain relationships. They get comfortable with you. You guys get comfortable with them. 
that sometimes they say, not so much say, but they do things that they connect with you on a level, like they may signal you with something. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Either oh, one of you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have like how's the body language. Well, we've seen the chimps throw poo and, you know, whatever. That's like saying you people get away. <laughs> no, I I have completely. I used to work predominantly with the orangutans at the zoo, and I had very different relationships with each orangutan. Um, Bess, our matriarch, she is our older girl. She's 42, and she is very specific. She's like a creature of habit. She likes her things a certain way. Sounds she familiar. Com- Believe me, you have no idea. <laughs> She I know orangutan too. <laughs> Laura, don't look. Um, but yeah, they all have different relationships. Corey has really, you know, different relationships with her elephants too. Yeah, I'm I'm very close with the two uh, elephants that we have. Um, they are both older ladies, so Sheena's 49 and Indu is 55. So uh, they're very set in their ways, and they've known a lot of people in their lifetime. Um, so it's like it's- an autobiography over here. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's an honor to be somebody that they know and to be somebody that they're willing to work with and trust. It's a big deal. I've heard that the elephants can be a little aggressive. So how do you deal with that? Um, it really depends on your relationship with them as far as what aggression you might get and how you handle it. Um, I'm pretty fortunate and not the two elephants have, um, pretty much settled with me. Sheena has never been aggressive towards me. Indu put me through the ringer my first few years, and a lot of it is just standing your ground, making sure you're safe, obviously. How but do you stand your ground. your ground with an elephant? Um, you learn, man. You learn. I, I've gotten to the point where... I'm like, asking for a reason because I have work-related issues. I mean, I'm not, you know, standing an in the, in you know, the area with and, them. I'm not... You know. Yeah, I'm not in danger. I'm not in any sort of position where I'm going to get hurt, but oh, it's so also... Like, we work, we work no. protected contact. Yeah, was, okay. everything's protected contact, which means we're, there's always a barrier between us and them. But that being said, the, the elephants will challenge the barrier regularly if they want to. Um, and, you know, we had an elephant actually pass away last year, Reba, and she um, was much more aggressive than the two that are Reba. Everybody yeah. remembers Reba. She was a force. Um, but she she gave me a run for my money a lot. Of the three of them, she was the one that I got the most aggression from. Were you from. ever afraid? Um, no. No, your feelings get hurt sometimes when they single my you out. My feelings get hurt every Man, I, would, I got <laughs> every my car a few times. Call, my feelings yeah. get hurt. It's I would get my car sometimes after work, and I would just cry because I'm like, why does Reba hate me? Why did she come after <laughs> yes. me? But it's not about that. Um, they're wild animals. And, you know, she was either trying to just tell me to back off, tell me she didn't like something, or just having fun because what else is... What else is she going to do besides try and make you jump, right? I love hiding and scaring people. So she's she got to all the, the time thing. in the world. She's got all the time in the world to mess with me. So she did a lot. Um, the two elephants that we still have, though, uh, I'm pretty fortunate that they don't really test me or give me too much trouble. But they, they tend to test newer people a lot more because they want to see what you're made of and they want to see what they can get away with. So yeah. it's just about learning your your uh, distance, knowing where is safe to stand, and then not letting them you know, I would think that would be very important. No one to stand when you're looking at an elephant. That would just make a lot of sense. Yeah. And at the zoo, you know, AZA accredited institutions typically have barriers between you and the animal if they're dangerous animals. And so if they have the capabilities to be able to grab, to bite, to hurt you really extensively, there's a barrier. So as a primate keeper, the mandrels, the baboons and the orangutans, we worked with a barrier. But then there's other species you went in with. I see like on Netflix, the one guy who lived in the woods with the uh, gorillas it's they're the big ones right 
but it's really the smaller ones that could be more aggressive. The orangutans, the chimpanzees. It's really individuals. I mean, yeah. my chihuahua is more of a jerk than most people's pities. So, yeah. I mean, it's individuals. Like, there are individuals that are aggressive. Then there's other ones that, you know, if you have, like, hand-reared animals, sometimes they show a lot more aggression because they're getting mixed signals. They don't as have to, as many boundaries. Yeah, yeah, they're getting mixed sizzle. They don't know if they're an animal or if they're a human and how they have to react. And they want to react like an animal where they bite or they grab or different things like that and they're trying to pick up on social cues on from you and so the problem is is and what we always preach is not to have those exotic animals as pets you know you want pets stick with your dogs your cats your domesticated animals they're domesticated for a reason yeah and so you just want to you know encourage to if you want to appreciate you know nature and wild animals you know if you have the ability to go see them in the wild awesome and if you don't support you know aza accredited institutions and zoos and aquariums that take amazing care and they're able to give them, you know, their means. Yeah. And just to touch on that, AZA is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Um, That's our governing board. So every five years, if you want to be accredited by them, you have to go through a very rigorous inspection process. Um, They come in, they send a team of inspectors out and they can basically ask to see anything that they want in your facility and you you have to show them. Um, And there are markers that you have to meet and requirements that you have to meet to remain accredited and stay accredited. So it's it's a good indication that you're going and supporting, going to and supporting a good facility if they are AZA accredited because that means that they've been they're being held to very specific standards. Gotcha. Okay, so <clears throat> besides this event, if people want to donate to the zoo to support, what can they do and how do they do it? So yeah, there's a couple different things. If you want to support the Phoenix Zoo, you can definitely make donations to the Phoenix Zoo. It helps animals. Call um, them up. Yeah. Call them up. Um, if you want to help AZAC, which is our nonprofit, that's kind of like a side from the Phoenix Zoo. We work with them, but we're a side. You can make donations. If you want to make a donation to BFR separately, Google search BFR. They have just national where you could just make donations or you so can make a donation a for thing. it's a it national on. thing. Okay. Yeah. So every year, um, about it's like 90 different AZAC chapters, chapters around the country. And that's even including like not including Canada and different things like that. They all do different fundraisers. So there's bowling events. There's sometimes like winos, winos for rhinos. For rhinos. They yeah. do tons of different events <laughs> and all the proceeds go to it. It gets lumped into it. And then they cut a check to all of those conservation organizations. So to date, since 1990, the national AZAC chapter has donated over eight and a half million dollars to those conservation groups. So what is our goal fundraising goal for this event on the you know, well, the last time we did it, I think we were at twelve or fifteen thousand. Yeah. Jessica and I have I been running this event higher. now for what, how many years? Three or four yeah. that we've taken over this event. Um, we obviously did not hold one last year due to COVID, um, so that was kind of a bummer. We still were able to do some online fundraising for BFR, and we were able to donate. I think it was three thousand dollars last year. Um, but the year before, uh, you know, we sold out the bowling alley we and we raised, I think, between twelve to thirteen thousand, which is awesome. really That's high for our chapter. Yeah. Let's do 15. Let's do 15. Let's do 15. Jessica, she shoots for the stars. I just always want more. Yeah. That's the story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Always want more. Don't get it. So, yeah. And then if people want to come to, they want to go to the bowling and they don't have a team or different things like that, just sign up. We have individual bowling. So Um, a person can say, hey, I can't get none of my friends to hang out with me. Come hang out with us. There's tons of new friends that they can meet. We're going to have some movies up and slideshows and awesome music. And And you can even come and not bowl and still buy raffle tickets and partake in the raffle items and the silent auction. And we'll be donating, I'll be donating something from my
my company as well. Uh, the people can bid on as well. So. Always. Nice. Yes. So, all right. Give you everybody your social media so they know where to follow zoo stuff if they're interested in do stuff. So if you just look up the Phoenix AZAC chapter, P-C-A-A-Z-K, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Facebook. We have our own website. Yeah. Um, look at all of it. And you can always contact me at the Phoenix Zoo. I am the manager of guest services, guest experiences. You think you give me a date with that giraffe? She was flirting with She me. was flirting with you. She's a little tall, she was taller than normal. A little normal. taller you know, than I actually, if I, I do, can open a moon, moon roof if we go on a date. <laughs> if so I remember just, correctly, a giraffe tour is going to be one of the oh, bidding items. At you want to bid on some lashes. stuff? I'm the just tour of the giraffe bar. Them lashes yeah. are free. She flirts. <laughs> <laughs> Saving money because these women buying these lashes are day. <laughs> this girl, these giraffes You won't catch us zookeepers doing that. I'll tell you right now. That stuff doesn't stay on our face or anything. We're sweaty mess. Yeah. yeah, you guys. Us. Yeah, you guys are. This out is as there. good as it gets right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a shower and makeup. I brushed my hair for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's sweet. All right, ladies, we are looking forward to hanging out on the twenty fifth bowling for rhinos. We're gonna get some teams together. And um, if there's any questions about the zoo, one last thing, where can they find? Is there like a information line or a number they so can dial? So for the Phoenix Zoo, there's actually a call center. Um, if you just you know look them up, it'll give you the the number to call the zoo if you want general information about admission, ticketing, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, again, if you're looking to get information about Bowling for Rhinos or um, our AZAC chapter, you can go to our website at pcaazk.org. I do have one more question. Go. If you, if you know a dinosaur exists and you want to turn it into the zoo for conservation, what number do you dial for that? I don't know who you could be referring to. We have no idea. I what just you're talking let about. me tell dinosaurs you. I know there is a T Rex, <laughs> or actually, it's more like a uh, Velociraptor. Yeah, I, I would, would definitely think. go with that, that one. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> just see, she said that. I'm just saying, of those two kinds of dinosaurs, I'd be more scared of a Velociraptor. <laughs> I, and I think you should that. fear her right now. <laughs> I just want to get her back when she can be fed and maintained until she expires. <laughs> and this could be in like the whole, you know, Jurassic. Park section did you guys have you know, we that used cool. to have a dinosaur and some and it might come back so let's yeah. just touch base on that a yeah we'll, we'll day, talk okay? about that off air you know <laughs> we'll get her somewhere safe all right guys we will see you next time on fit over 40 i'm coach clarence thanks for tuning in to fit over 40 with coach clarence you can follow me on all platforms where you get your podcast you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence. You can also find me on YouTube at Coach Clarence TV. Like and subscribe so that you get all the videos as soon as we drop them. And last but not least, remember the golden rule. If you can't be good, be good at it.